We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the lands which Deep Herd operates. Welcome back to the Grains Convo podcast, brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in Western Australia. I'm Cindy Webster. And I'm Jeanette Pratt, and we are research scientists based in regional WA. These episodes shine a spotlight on the knowledge and tools developed by Deeper to grow the grains industry. In today's episode, I'm talking with Deeper research scientists Bob French and Stacey Power. We will be discussing the release of the 2024 Crop Variety Sowing Guide for WA. Welcome to the podcast, Bob and Stacey. Hi, Jeanette. Thank you, Jeanette. Before we dive in about the Crop Variety Sowing Guide, Bob, can you give us a little bit of a background about yourself and your roles at Deep Herd? Yes. I'm currently the manager of the Crop Science and Grain Production Portfolio in Deep Herd and the coordinators of the production of the Crop Sowing Guide sit in my portfolio. So that's my that's my contribution to the production of the guide. But before I became manager, I was a research scientist in agronomy and crop physiology and I have been in the department for 39 years, so I've uh, seen a few iterations of uh, various uh, crop sowing guides and associated publications and over that time I've worked across, I've started my career working in uh, pulses, Uh, I've also worked in canola agronomy and wheat agronomy so I hope I bring some experience from that time to the discussion that we have today. Oh Bob, you're very well known across the agricultural sector in WA, I can testify to that. And Stacey, what about you? Sure. So I've been with Deep Herd for the past seven years. I'm based here at Northam um, as a research agronomist, and I've worked on a few different crops in that time. But at the moment, most of my focus is on chickpeas and faba beans. Oh, thanks for joining us, Stacey. Thank you. Bob, we'll get into talking about the Crop Variety Sowing Guide. It has just been released. We've just received our copies in the office in the last week. What can the readers expect from this edition and how does it differ from the previous editions that you've been a part of? Well, uh, readers can expect the same comprehensive presentation of NVT results as in the um, previous guide, but this time incorporating results from the 2022 trials. For people who don't know what NVT is, that's the National Variety Testing Program that's run by GRDC and I believe it's the uh, most comprehensive crop variety testing program of anywhere in the world. We're mostly interested in the trials that are in Western Australia but it is a nationwide program. We're mostly interested in the WA trials but the trials are conducted across all of the agricultural areas and they include currently grown varieties and um, varieties that are contributed by plant breeding companies and seed companies so that they can be benchmarked against their competitors in the market. And trials are done for wheat, 
and there are a few different series of wheat trials, barley, oats, canola, and there are different series of canola trials, and a number of the pulses. So I might get some of this wrong, but they're in the pulses, there are lupin trials, chickpea trials, field pea trials, lentil trials. I can see Stacey nodding, so I haven't made any mistakes yet. Are farba bean trials and vet trials? No vet trials. So uh, there, there's a very wide range of crops. You asked what's new in, in this year's guide. We have included a lot more herbicide information for the pulses in this guide on top of what was uh, included in previous guides. And that's quite important because weed management in pulses can really make or break the success of including a pulse crop in a cropping system. And there's often new herbicides for pulses coming out and growers need to know how best to use them. Plus, although there aren't very many new pulse varieties in the guide this year, over the past few years and into the future, there will be um, different herbicide tolerance groups in the various pulses. So we need to provide up-to-date information on how to get the best out of those. So it's very comprehensive, Bob. Can you tell us a bit about uh, how many new varieties altogether there are in the guide this year? Yeah, so this year we've got 19 new varieties. Uh, Six of those are wheat, one is barley, although there are a number of um, barley varieties that are going through malt accreditation at the moment. So over the next few years, we might see some of the barley varieties that have previously only been deliverable as feed become accredited for malt. So that could make a difference. Uh, there are 10 canola varieties and two new lupin varieties. And what are some of the ways that you suggest growers can use this guide, especially during dry seasons like the one that we've just had? Well, I mentioned that the wheat, barley and oat sections have a specific section with guidelines for uh, choosing a variety. So they're certainly very useful sections for uh, growers to use. One of the deficiencies of the NVT system is that the trials are all planted in the same environment or the trials at a location are planted in the same environment, um, same sowing time, so same soil type. So the NVT system doesn't give the varieties the maximum opportunity to express their specific characteristics. So in the wheat space, for example, uh, we have conducted a series over the uh, last five years or perhaps a bit longer. Uh, we've conducted a series of um, variety by time of sowing trials where we have five different times of sowing at a reduced number of locations to the NVTs because we can't put those large trials all over the wheat belt, but they have 24 varieties in them. So it's a good sampling of the number of varieties that growers have available to them. But the information that flows out of those gives a much more nuanced view of what varieties you should choose for a particular sowing window. So that gives growers the opportunity to say if they want to plant wheat in April, for example, 
they would choose a different variety to what they would in the same location in early May or late May. And so there, there is quite a bit of information on that in the, um, in the wheat section. The barley section, because uh, quality is such an important consideration for barley, there's quite a bit of information in there on the different characteristics of uh, varieties and how management uh, interacts with a variety in the production of best possible quality. The canola space is interesting because of the different classes of canola, but um, perhaps we might talk about that a bit later on. So, Bob, you've mentioned the barley and the quality of barley. Can you tell us what some of the factors are that growers might be considering when uh, choosing to grow either a malt or feed barley? Among the important factors are location and access to CBH or bungee malt services as one factor. If you can't deliver malt barley or if you have to travel a long distance to deliver it, that will impact on your decision whether to grow it or not. Yeah. Another factor is the strength of the malt market and the likely premium on offer. So growers in the Quinana Port zone are favoured due to their proximity to 300,000 tonnes of demand in Perth for processing there. Another factor is the historical success the growers had in meeting the Malt 1 receival specifications. So some environments are more favourable for producing what might be the quite stringent specifications for going into malting barley and I guess micro environment affects that and uh, management will have implications for that too. So that might be on a a grower-to-grower thing. But at the end of the day, growers still largely plant varieties that can be received as malt one in WA because of their yield competitiveness with feed-only varieties. So the most important factors are season, distance to the nearest malt one bin and other local factors. And Bob, can you tell us what some of the new exciting wheat varieties that growers should be looking out for for 2024? Yeah, so when I was talking about the new varieties we have before, there are some varieties that have only been in the NVT program for one or two years. There are even some that have only having their first year in NVT in 2023. So we haven't presented good yield data for those varieties. So it's still a little early to make any firm predictions, but there is a new wheat variety mohawk from Longreach that was only in the NVT in first year in NVT in 2022. So We've only got one year's data there, but it's a quick winter variety. So I spoke before about fitting uh, varieties to the timing of sowing opportunities. The last few years, there have been some very good early, and 2023, 2022, 2021, uh, various parts of the agricultural Our mainstream wheat varieties are are not suited to sowing before early May, really, and there has been some interest, some of it coming from work that was done in um, Eastern Australia in winter wheat varieties that theoretically should be much better suited to early 
sowing opportunities. But some of those um, winter varieties have been too slow for most of the Western Australian environment. So even though they're planted very early, they have tended to sow later than is optimum. But mohawk, as a quick winter, could fill a gap there. It's too early to tell how good it'll be, seeing there's only one one year in NVT, and those NVTs tend to be planted in our main season. I don't think it's been included in our time of sowing series, but I could be wrong there. The mainstream variety in Western Australia is still Scepter, but there have been a suite of Clearfield varieties that have found a niche in WA farming systems over the last, well, getting on for 10 years now. Clearfield varieties allow the use of a her- uh, imidase olanone herbicides that give certain weed management benefits but most wheat varieties are susceptible to that herbicide so you need to have a special class of variety to use them but there is a, um, a variety called Tomahawk CL Plus that is also we've only got one year of NVT data for but it is looking like it's a similar yield potential to Scepter. Most of the um, previous Clearfield varieties have had a lower yield potential, so it will be quite exciting if uh, we have Clearfield wheat varieties with the same yield potential as our best, what you might call, conventional varieties. And there's a suite of new noodle varieties um, becoming available. Uh, There's one called Genie that unfortunately is only in NVT for the first time in 2023. So we've got very limited yield data, but based on intergrains data, that looks like it's shaping up to be a good replacement for Zen with a higher sim- similar development pattern, so similar sowing window, but um, higher yield potential. Some great potential varieties coming out there, Bob. We might hear from you now, Stacey. Um, I was wondering if you might be able to tell us a little bit about how the season has shaped up with canola prices. So um, over the past few seasons, we've seen some really high canola prices where they got up to around $1,000 a tonne. It's come back from that. Um, We're now sitting at around $700. Um, But this is still a really good price given canola is the major break crop um, in WA farming systems. And what about any new canola varieties that growers could be looking forward to in 2024? What is the crop variety highlighting for us? Sure. So as Bob mentioned, we've got 10 new canola varieties that we um, discuss in the guide this year. So we always have quite a few um, new canola varieties each year. And the ones that we've got coming available in 2024 include ATR Swordfish and DG Oven. They're both open pollinated triazine tolerant varieties. Defender is a new variety from Hyola that's got both triazine and clearfield tolerance. Pioneer have released two new glyphosate tolerant varieties, PY422G and PY525G. Um, we've got Invigor LR 4540 p and that's the first variety available in WA with both glyphosate and glufosinate tolerance. And we've got four new Clearfield-only varieties. We've got Captain CL, Hyola Continuum CL, New Seed Ceres, and Pioneer PY421C. Lots to choose from. 
Yeah, some great, sounds like there's some great new varieties coming out. Stacey, what are some of the factors that uh, growers might be wanting to take into account when choosing which variety? Sure. So there's lots of things to consider when choosing a canola variety. Um, so Bob talked about herbicide tolerance with the other crops, and that's just as important when you're growing canola. One of the key benefits of growing canola is the excellent weed control that you can have. So growers need to consider what weeds they're targeting, the kind of herbicide residues they may already have in their soil or that they may want to avoid for future cereal crops. So those things will help choose which kind of herbicide tolerance they will choose for their canola crop. And of course, as with any crop, yield is king. So it's always important to choose a variety that has proven high yields in your environment. We've got canola varieties in Australia that have very short through to very long maturities. So growers should always aim to match the maturity of the variety they're growing with their sowing opportunity so that flowers can avoid frost damage and seeds can fill before terminal drought kicks in at the end of the year. Blackleg resistance, the cost of seed and the cost of other inputs and oil content also need to be considered. So we've got information on all of those things in the guide. So we've discussed wheat and barley with Bob and we've just touched on canola. So we might have a look at oats now. Um, Stacey, are there any new oat variety options that have been accredited by Grains Australia? Sure. So we haven't got any new releases since the last edition of the variety guide was released, but we do have two varieties that will be assessed for milling by Grains Australia in 2024 once this year's harvest is complete. And both varieties seem to have a role in WA. So the two varieties include the numbered line, which is 13.0818. Intergrain will be commercialising that and Koala, which Seednet's commercialising. So 13.0818 is a banister-derived line. It flowers slightly earlier than banister and it has grain yield and plumpness improvements over banister. It's also performed well in hay trials, so it's potentially a dual-purpose variety, but it will only be released by Intergrain if it is accredited by Grains Australia as a milling variety. Koala is also a banister-derived line, but it's slightly later to flower than banister. The grain quality is very similar to banister, and the fit for koala would be early sowing opportunities in April, so right at the beginning of the sowing window or environments that consistently yield um, more than four and a half tonnes per hectare. We don't yet know um, about its quality for export hay, but DPIRT is generating data from internally funded oat and hay trials in 2023, and we'll have those results available before sowing in 2024 to help make some decisions. Seed of koala will be available through SeedNet Partners for sowing in 2024, even if it doesn't receive milling accreditation. Um, but if that scenario happened, it would be sown as a feed oat, but it couldn't be delivered into the CBH system. So both of these varieties are undergoing accreditation as part of a new milling accreditation program that Grains Australia is developing. So we're also um, learning how that system works as we go. So two new varieties to watch out for in that space in 2024. Just before we go, I just want to check that there's nothing that I've missed that you think that we should add into today's podcast. Bob or Stacey, anything you want to mention? Well, I think I'd like to mention something about open pollinated versus hybrid canola varieties. So 
Hybrid varieties have an inherently higher yield potential than open pollinated varieties, but they have the disadvantage that they you need to get fresh seed each year and most growers all know that uh, canola seed can be quite expensive and much more expensive than retaining your own seed, which um, you can do with open pollinated varieties. Now, the triazine tolerant varieties have all, all of the um, glyphosate tolerant varieties and the clearfield varieties are hybrid, so you don't have much of a choice there. But in the triazine tolerant varieties, for a long time, the most widely grown varieties were open pollinated. And in, I suppose, seven or eight years ago, the breeding companies were putting all of their effort into developing hybrids and neglecting um, open pollinated varieties and there was a fair bit of concern in the industry that those growers, particularly in more marginal areas who thought it was too risky to buy expensive seed every year, would miss out on the on the yield potential benefits of continued plant breeding. So in recent years there have been new um, open pollinated varieties released and two of those varieties that Stacey mentioned were are open pollinated varieties. Can't remember what their names are now. But in in the inter, intervening period, at the moment, around about 50% of the triazine tolerant varieties planted in WA are hybrid and about 50% still are open pollinated. But even the best open pollinated varieties in triazine tolerance are 15 to... or up to 15% behind in yield potential than the um, than the best hybrid varieties. So it's a still, I suppose, a difficult decision for uh, growers to make whether they uh, choose a hybrid or an open pollinated variety. So I think it's uh, worth bearing that in mind. Thanks for that, Bob. Stacey, did you have anything to add before we leave? Yeah, sure. So we have made a correction to Table 3 of the canola section of the guide. Um, so the updated version is available on our website. And if anyone downloaded the version prior to the 22nd of November, please get on the website and download the updated version with the correct information. Um, we've also updated all of the hard copies of the guide with the updated version of Table 3. Oh, that's good to know. Bob and Stacey, thank you so much for coming on the Grains Convo podcast today and highlighting the 2024 Crop Variety Sowing Guide for us. It's been great having you both. Thanks, Jeanette. Thanks, Jeanette. If you would like to download the online version of the 2024 Crop Variety Sowing Guide, it's available on the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development website at www.agric.wa.gov.au. More information on this topic can be found in the show notes. If you like this episode, you can download and subscribe to Grains Convo on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll be back on the 1st and 15th of every month with a new episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>